Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the One Football Podcast. As you may or may not know by now, the One Football team are heading around Europe for the World Cup group stages, aiming to speak with many fans of different teams along the way. And today, in London, ahead of England versus Iran, we are not just with a fan, but a player with a foot in both camps ahead of the game. Wickham Wanderers star defender and YouTube extraordinaire, which we'll talk about a little bit later, Ryan Tafazzoli. Um, Ryan, absolute pleasure to have you on. Pleasure to be on, mate. Thank you so much for speaking to us. You, like I mentioned, have a foot in both camps. Yeah. So give a little bit of uh, an insight to the listeners about why England-Iran's a little bit divisive for you. So my dad's Iranian, mum's English. Um, growing up, you know, watching World Cups as a kid, my dad was very invested in the, in the Iranian national squad, following them. Mum, brother and sister, kind of more on the England side. And then as I grew up, grew older, um, started for Southampton, kind of had little bits of interest from the Iranian squad. I started kind of drifting over to my, to my dad's side, to be fair, and there'll be a little bit of a, a divide in the family when we're watching games. So um, yeah, Monday's gonna be a, a tasty encounter. And so your dad like introduced you to football though, so you always felt... Yeah, yeah. But did he play though as well? He didn't actually play, no. Okay. He didn't actually play himself. But um, he's like, we're a massive like, family. We're a massive football family. Everyone, everyone loves it. And um, yeah, my dad's a, he's a, he's a big Iran fan. So in the, uh, your early footballing education, you were introduced by him to Team Melly, I believe is the... Yeah. Yeah, is the, is the nickname of the team. Um, were you ever conflicted at school? I just imagine like, on the playground, obviously everyone's mad about England normally. Yeah. Were you like a little bit of like, oh yeah, go around as well? Or you yeah, yeah, a little bit. But obviously, yeah, uh, growing up, I think, it, it, do you know what it was? At, when, when I was growing up at the time, Iran, the team Melly, they weren't ever close to England's level. I think now this is the closest they've ever yeah. been. So it was kind of like, you know, when, you, when you're growing up and you may support a Man United and you have a second team such as... Um, like a Plymouth Argyle, yeah, some, yeah. someone random like that. England, I would obviously support as like, you know, backing them to do well in competitions in Iran. You just hope that they'll do semi-decent. So yeah. it was kind of like that for me. And, um, but now they're actually in the World Cup and they've got a good, they've got a good squad. So yeah. it'll be interesting. I actually think the England squad's the closest in terms of rankings. Yeah, yeah. In the, the World Cup, like the distance between the top and the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The group that England's in, I think yeah. it's, many, it's, it's deemed as the group of death, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of people think it's a couple of the other groups, but in yeah. terms of actual FIFA rankings, they're yeah. the, uh, their average is the highest, so it's gonna be, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, oh my God, they're actually, I seem to remember watching as a kid, was it Madavikia <laughs> scored that goal at the 98? Yeah, well, Madavikia. Was it 98 or 94? I think it might be 98. Yeah. They, they no, beat the US. Yeah, 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 yeah crazy. It's gonna be a <laughs> mad game, Iran, USA. Um, but yeah, like, growing up, obviously, Ali Dai was the main guy. Oh, yeah, he had the, yeah, yeah. You know, most international goals ever. He was the one that my dad would just like always talk about and get me watching. I think he's disappointed I never <laughs> yeah. ended up a centre forward like him. But um, yeah, he was the he was the main man growing up. That, that record was only recently broken as well by Ronaldo. Yeah, I know, very recently. He was like a hundred and hundred and something. That's crazy, crazy to think you think about, it, isn't it? Absolutely mad. Yeah, yeah, he had spells in Germany, I believe. It was like Bayern Munich. I'm like, talking top of the European game. Yeah. And this is goals as well, but yeah. this, this isn't caps. Like you get over a hundred caps for your country, you're like, wow. That's yeah. Yeah. Well, these goals for his, for, his, for his country, it's just insane. Absolutely mad. Um, so you're young, dreams of being a footballer. Your dad maybe wants you to be a centre forward, maybe <laughs> yeah. not turn into a centre back. Um, who were like the heroes then 
for you, but was it based on playing style or did you feel it was more coming from a background as well? You maybe drifted towards someone from the, from the Iranian national team. It was, it was really Ali Dai, and it's easy to say, I think it's everyone's, just because of what he did for the country. Um, but growing up, you know, being, growing up in England, being in English school, we're all Arsenal fans, so we do have some sort of um, mutual love for, for the same team. And I, I'd say it was like Thierry Henry's, Patrick Vieira's growing up. You know, I, I, was, I was young enough to, uh, I'm old enough now to have been through the days where we, uh, we, went, we went a whole season, um, 49 games unbeaten or whatever. Invincibles and stuff. So yeah, apart from Ali Dai, I'd say like Thierry Henry and Patrick Vieira, the, the likes of them. Yeah, yeah. Never a centre back really. <laughs> Never a centre back. I, I, start, I started off in centre mid, and it was either you look, you're six foot four, you're either going to be a target man or yeah. you're going to you're going to go back to centre half. And I went this way, unfortunately. So oh, so just two options from centre mid, back and yeah, forwards, and yeah, that was it. And that was it. So you moved to Southampton. Yeah. Then as a young kid, was there any? Because I'm really interested to kind of find out. I guess the flip side of the majority of communities and nationalities within youth football especially. Are you aware that there's not, wasn't a huge amount of sort of, I'd say minor community representation in youth football at that time? I think there was something in an, in a, an FA report about seven people, seven mm. kids in youth academies that were from yeah, minor ethnicities or, or communities. At the time, I wasn't really aware of it, but I think as I've grown older, and you see um, different players talking about, you know, like, like myself being from Iran. I played with a guy who was from India when I was at Mansfield. And, you, and, then, and then you realise, oh my God, he's like, he's the only one. And I'm, oh, I'm, I'm the only one. So there are, yeah, look, for some reason, there's not, there's not a lot, is there, in, yeah. uh, in, in youth football in England. Um, but the talent in, like, over in Asia is absolutely insane. So... I think it will start to develop and progress as the years go on. I, funny story, I actually had one of my mates went out to Japan and I think uh, a, a local Japanese team played Ajax under-19s and they, they smashed them 7-0. So it just goes to show, like this is Ajax, one of the best academies in wow. the world, like what the, yeah. what the talent is like. Um, but yeah, just getting them over to, to England, obviously, and progressing through the youth systems, I think some, it's something that will happen more in the future. Yeah, was that... I'm trying to think of Mansfield. Was it Mal, Mal Benning? Mal Benning, yeah, 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 yeah. Mal Benning. I know Danny Baff, obviously the centre-half. He's at Sunderland now. Yeah. He's of um, Indian, Indian descent. descent yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like very far and few between, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then I, I feel like I'm trying to piece together this moment where you sort of take on the... Not necessarily the mantle, because it's not just all on you, but like we mentioned, is without so many, especially South Asian representatives in football, with this moment where you're like, I guess I'm going to be that representative. If yeah. there isn't many people for you to follow in, in British football. Yeah, and I think that would have been when I was like 19, 20, you know, really kind of, in, oh, I'm, I'm probably not going to play for England here. Mm. My mum's got Irish in her, my dad's a fully Iranian could be Ireland or Iran and then I remember like Carlos Quiros's assistant came to watch me a few years later when I was at Peterborough and I thought oh, you know I've really got a chance here you mm -hmm. know to um, do something and then it kind of just fizzled out a little bit we were playing in League One didn't get a call up yeah. and um, yeah it was unfortunate. But then as you move on towards like Hull moving up through divisions yeah. so you, you're still kind of holding out hope that that, that, that call's coming. Yeah do you know I think it, there, was a, there would have been a good chance while I was at Hull playing in the championship um, 
one of the whole players right now is injured. He's actually in the, in the, in the Iranian squad. He didn't make this squad, but he normally makes the Iranian squads. And then there was COVID, international camps mm -hmm. and um, fixtures got called off. And so I kind of got a bit unlucky there. And there was a time when I was like in good form at home and stuff. So I thought I would have been in with a good shout. Then we got relegated, yeah. went to Wickham, got injured first half of the season when there, was a, when there was a camp and then we ended up getting relegated as well. So it was just yeah. a, bit, a bit of a shame. As you stepped up through these leagues, have you found that the level increases massively? Because I know it's quite like, um, there's been yeah. quite a few teams who as soon as they come into League Two, they go straight up to League One. Yeah, I think but conference to League Two, is a very fine line yeah. because it's so hard to get out of the conference. Obviously, only one team gets promoted automatically. It's going to be either Wrexham or Notts County this year, yeah. probably. And then you've got second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and I think even seventh, they go into the playoffs, which is just crazy. I think it's like, it's, it's mm. mental. So a lot of the money in the conference is really big, but trying to get out of there is like, it's, it's, it's like hell, mate. So yeah. a lot of people say now, like, the, the top half of the conference is basically League Two anyway. Um, league Two to League One is a little bit trickier and then League One to the Championship. I remember when, we, when I first went to the Championship with Hull, I was like, wow, look, this is a step up, you know, and I was yeah. playing for a good side at the time in League One in Peterborough. But I was like, yeah, this is, this is another level, just like the intensity was really big. And I think that's why you see a lot of the time teams that do go up from League One they kind of do struggle, don't yeah. they? Like you see Rotherham, the renowned for being a yo-yo club. Yeah, I was just about to say up and down quite a bit. Yeah, Rotherham, yeah, yeah. we're gonna down there this year. Sunderland's kind of a little bit of an exception yeah. to the rule. Um, and we, we, I mean, we did see Sheffield before, dude. Like yeah. back to back, didn't we? They went up and went up again. Bournemouth but the bigger went clubs up in the ridiculous yeah. amount of time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it just makes you think like the jump from the champ to the prems probably. It's probably even bigger. Isn't it? I, I don't know. Like, there's an argument. There's arguments either way. Some people say League One to Champions League and Champions League, yeah. but but I, I always imagine that that when you meet in the Championship, come from either side, that's mad. You get promoted from League One, and then the yeah. next season you're up against guys who have just come down. From yeah, the yeah, yeah. We're talking mental, isn't it? The wage gap's massive yeah. in terms of the bill of the squad. You're talking of the training, the expertise, yeah. the experience. That's got to be pretty crazy. You must know, like, when you're in a game with the former. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like it's, it's another level, um, especially if like if a, if a big club comes down from mm. the Premier League, which we've seen in like recent years, and you you end up playing, you 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 know you see a small team like a, like a Rotherham go up mm. from League One, and they end up coming up against a, a Chef U, for example, who've been in the Prem for a few years. It's kind of like what, what can we do here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you just kind of concede before the game started. So I, I want to get back to a massive game actually in a second that you've played, talking about some mm. Premier League opposition. But I wanted to finally touch on, we talked about how the representatives of Iran and maybe Southeast, South Asian communities haven't been that strong earlier on in your career. Have you seen a change throughout? Do you reckon now there's probably more kids coming through? I mean, I know you spoke about Mal Benning at Mansfield. Um, I believe there was Scotty Kashkit as well at yeah. Wickham. From yeah, a Jewish yeah. background. Yeah, Jewish. Yeah, background. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's quite a few others. Do you think it's it's good that there's been more? It's, yeah, it's obviously it's good that it's been more, but I don't know how much more there's actually been. Like, I wouldn't say it's been a, a, a drastic increase since I started playing, to be mm. honest. Um, which is a bit is a bit rubbish because mm. obviously there's so much talent out there. It's just I don't know why right now we don't seem to have that many in the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like it's probably a mix of both. Um, from the footballing perspective as well, not having having like a role model, having someone there then breeds people basically wanting to be that person. That's yeah. the whole point of a role model. Of course, yeah. 
But I feel like as well, coming from communities and backgrounds where maybe football isn't seen as a viable option. Like, did you ever have that as a kid? Like, I, I come from a Jewish background, whole yeah. family's Jewish. This was like the last thing on the table. It was like doctor, yeah, lawyer, yeah, yeah, yeah. get a quote unquote proper job. And it just yeah. wasn't, like, it didn't seem a viable part. Yeah, it's like sport is a luxury, isn't yeah. it? It's not, it's not something you can make a living out of. So, it, and a lot of it does come from the parents. I mean, I think, you know, Asian parents, are, they're kind of going to drive you down the academic route, yeah. aren't they? My dad's, my dad's actually a professor, so he was very much oh, like, yeah. look, get yourself to university, do this, but my, my mum was a bit like, look, he wants to be a footballer, let him have his chance. If it doesn't work out, he can always go back and do a degree or whatever anyway. So, um, so yeah, I think that could be one of the reasons. What's he a professor in? This is really interesting. Telecommunications. Oh, so okay, he's like, all right. So, like, he basically... Long story short, he basically like invented 5G pretty much. You know, you get on your phone 4G, 5G, he's doing 6G Hold now. Hold on, yeah, this, yeah, is, this is a revelation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we need a whole other podcast about this. It's mad. It's, it's crazy. So when all them conspiracy theories are out there, like 5G's doing this and that, it's just like, right, this is just absolute nonsense. Like, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Oh my God, this yeah. is, oh wow, okay. We just get him on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is mind-blowing stuff. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about, like I mentioned, the big step up in the quality it's a massive football match you've been a part in. Manchester City. Yeah. In the Carabao Cup. I believe it was beginning of last season. You go there, you go 1-0 up. What's that moment like? Like the game overall, you're 1-0 up at the Etihad. And they've got some ridiculous players. I think like Mares, Sterling, Foden. Yeah. There as well. Mate, so before the game, Pep Guardiola has come out and said, look, we need to rest players because we need to save them for... Um, the Premier League yeah. and the Champions League or whatever. So we all thought, all right, buzzing, we could just be facing a bunch of kids here. Our gaffers rested everyone apart from the back three. So myself, the right centre-back and the left centre-back from the weekend made eight or nine changes or whatever. And um, we get to the grounds and it, it turns out Pep was playing mind games with, uh, with Gareth Ainsworth. He's, he's got a back four, which, is, which, which, was, which was full of young lads. Yeah, yeah, through I now. just remember. And the rest of the team, so you had Foden, Mares, Sterling, De Bruyne, Ferran Torres... Oh, yeah. And obviously, Stefan yeah, yeah. in goal. And we were just like, oh, <laughs> um, what are we going to do now? Yeah. And anyway, getting to the game, starts off, obviously, we're on the back foot from the off, um, just trying to defend our box as well as we can. And we go one and up, mate. Get a little assist, square yeah. the ball to, to Brandon Hanlon, scores. And I, I thought, I remember thinking at the time, why is everyone celebrating so much here? This isn't good. This is <laughs> yeah. just going to... This is just going to prompt them into... You've angered the beast. Yeah, yeah, literally that, literally that. And um, yeah, then they just turned it on. And I, I, think, I think Kevin De Bruyne got pissed off a little bit of our celebration. Yeah. He was like, all right, then, time to turn up now. And, uh, oh, yeah. my God. We were talking a little bit off camera before about like your tracking and your running and everything. And you said that Man City ran more than you and had more of the ball. Yeah. I don't crazy. know how that's We've got all the running stats. It just goes to show like how much... Pep puts emphasis on look, run, 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 run. Mm. You know, all, for all their technical ability, they actually, the output in terms of their work ethic and running stats are actually through the roof. I didn't actually do that much running because we're just camped on the edge of our box for the whole game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're just shuffling side to side. You don't really have the ball, so I'm not like playing long passes over and over again so my groins weren't hanging off the next yeah. day or anything. It was more just... I think I actually did less distance in that game than I do I, I, than I ever did in in a league game last year. I think I only covered like eight point nine k or yeah. something.
because we don't get out, we don't get up the pitch. There's no running. We don't really have corners. We don't have free kicks or anything. So mm. my recovery wasn't bad, mate. My recovery wasn't. I bad. always found that, and this is no way comparing my amateur football status to yours. <laughs> but when you play centre back, most of the running is just pushing the line up. As yeah. soon as the ball goes out, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you do have a lot of the ball, there's times you're dropping out, you're switching it, it may come back out to you, you step in and go on a little mazy or whatever. But that was not <laughs> happening against Man City. I wasn't, I wasn't trying yeah, yeah, to yeah. against Ferran Torres, mate. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't back myself. And I, I really, I think I had like 20 kicks in the whole game, mate. Yeah. So yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I'm chasing shadows. That's crazy. Literally, yeah, literally mate. <laughs> so it was six-one in the end. Six-one. But I remember on your YouTube channel, you had a little. Uh, a chat with Pep afterwards. What did he say to you, like, especially? Mate, so <laughs> I, I managed to, to get outside after the game. He was doing his press and he actually, like, pulled me over. He's like, you're right, you're right, mate, you're right. I was thinking, he's talking yeah. to the boy standing behind me. And he came over, he was like, well played, da-da-da-da-da. And I had a quick glance over at my uh, at the videographer and I was like, make sure you're recording this. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, had a little chat with him, four or five minutes. Mm. I was like, we are buzzing. Thumbnail sorted, standing yeah. there with Pep. <laughs> Great content. Reviewed the footage and the mic wasn't working on the camera. Like that, 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 so there's no footage. There's no footage oh, of me talking shit. to Pep. So I just had to explain to people that, that, what he said. I, I kind of asked him questions that I thought the YouTube following would want to would want to hear. And mm. I asked him like, "How did you get to the top? What what sort of things should young players work on, focus on?" And he just said kind of like the standard sort of answers. I think he was a bit taken aback. He's like, why is, he, why is he asking me these questions? Like, I was going to say, did he know, know I mean? you've got the YouTube channel? Nah, Probably not. Yeah. Nah, 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 nah. I doubt it. I doubt Pep, it. if you're listening, subscribe. Right? <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to Ryan. Um, finally, though, I want to the touch on another massive, massive game. It's quite previous. Um, sorry, quite recent. You had the playoff final at Wembley, which is a huge occasion in itself. Yeah. Like, it's massive. League One playoff final against Sunderland. Um, it doesn't quite go your way. We can don't get promoted. How did you deal with it in the moment to then when you look back at it now? Do you look back with a sense of achievement to get there and obviously playing in the national nah. stadium or it's, it's still like it's a tough one to take? Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to take, oh. mate. That was, that was like massive. And I know it's a, it's a big game for everyone, but I, I feel like it was kind of even bigger for me in some ways because just before we were playing that game, had a little bit of interest from the Iranian national team I kind of feel like if we got promoted and in the championship, there would have been a chance in getting to the World Cup. Um, we lost 2-0. The interest died down. Didn't get called up to the camp, which I think was like a week later. So it was it was tough, mate. It was tough. I'm not going to lie. Like not 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 winning that was um was it was yeah was it was a really hard pill to swallow. And I, do you know what? A few a few months after that month, my, my missus actually booked tickets to go and watch Coldplay at Wembley. And I remember just walking up towards the stadium and I was like I had this weird feeling just come over me it was like, kind of like just like PTSD I think like, yeah. I, never, I never really like suffered with anything like that or struggled with any sort of like mental health mm. issues but this was this was bad I was like nah this doesn't feel good yeah. and it was just like yeah it must have been from obviously the experience of, uh, of losing at Wembley when, you, when you're so close mate it was just yeah. yeah it was horrible do you think that it's it's quite odd to look back at two different moments so we talked about Man City game you get yeah. battered do you talk about the final, which is a close one, but then they're two completely different outcomes. Like you would have thought you'd be more upset about, you know, losing quite heavily, but it's not like no, you no, can't no. look the, back the on the evening. The game was just like free hit. Yeah, free yeah. hit. A day out for the boys. Enjoy the experience. You're playing Man City away, mate. They score four or five goals in the Champions League at home. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> 
what it's, it's impossible. No one beats Man City at their yeah. place, really. So especially not we we, we played our we played our second team. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean I would have taken losing fifty nil at Man City <laughs> if it meant we were going to win at Wembley. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's just it's just it's, just a, it's a no brainer. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was it was tough, man. That was tough to take. Right then, I want to hear about Team Ellie. We'll go on to a World Cup preview. The Iranian national team. Who are the who are the key players to count for in, in that group so B? We've got Mehdi Taremi. Yeah. He's the he's the main man. Plays up front for Porto. I don't know if you remember the overhead kick he scored in Champions League against yeah. Chelsea. Yeah, crazy. Wasn't that goal of the UEFA goal of the yeah. season or yeah, something? Yeah, 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 something like that. Um, you got your Hambash, who's got mm. Premier League experience for Brighton. You know he he'll know everything about mm. the England team. And I'd say probably their one, their biggest asset is probably the manager Carlos Quiros. Mm. You know, great coach. Worked underneath Fergie at Man United. Helped develop Ronaldo into the player that he is yeah. now. Um, and having him will be massive. You know, he's, he'll have them well organised, well drilled. They'll be fully prepared for this uh, for this World Cup and every game that they, uh, yeah. they have. So the England Iran game. Then, how do you see this one playing out? Are we going to see because? I know that Southgate loves to go a little bit defensive. Do you reckon he could switch yeah. up and go a little bit more attacking? Maybe against Iran might sit in, or they're going to go for it. I think Iran will be defensively solid. They'll be set up well drilled, well organised. But I think Southgate, you know, he's got to come out isn't he, against yeah. Iran, mate. Like it doesn't matter yeah. what what people say. Like he has to, he has to attack this World Cup, especially against. If he if he goes out there with a defensive mindset, a defensive game plan, and imagine we draw like. England draw or lose, it just looks terrible on him. So yeah. he has to, if, he, if he goes out there with an attacking mentality and we have 28 shots on target, well, when I say we, I mean England had 28 shots on target and they don't score. Iran have one shot on target and they score everyone, be like, look, not fair enough. Like, <laughs> what more could we do? It's just one on our day. Yeah. So I think, they, I think England will try and attack us. Yeah. So not having the attacking output would be even worse. Definitely. Then, yeah, and then just not. Who'd you put in then? Would you? I'm, I'm guessing, as I've talked with a lot of people, England. sacrifice a defender and basically put another attacker on. I don't think it's, it's that's that's how it works. So obviously, we'll play more than likely a back three. Yeah. Um, but instead of our wing back sitting in, he'll just tell the wing backs to play as like basically secondary wingers. So yeah. he'll get. I, th I assume it will be maybe Luke Shaw, Kyle Walker, or Kieran Trippier. Yeah. Just play a lot higher up the pitch. Leave the back three to defend 1v1 against maybe Iran's front three. Mm. And that's kind of how you, you know, you build momentum in a game. You um, you keep pressure on, mm. on on Iran just by literally recycling attacks and sustaining, uh, sustaining um, pressure. And does this mean you've also got a little bit of a win-win situation? Because I know I said it was divisive before, but yeah. then technically you're going to enjoy... Either no, outcome. No, no, I want Iran to win. I want Iran to win. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, fully. Yeah. I'm, I'm back in Iran. I want, I want Iran to win, mate. Um, get out of the group. That'll be an unbelievable yeah. achievement. And then in the, uh, you know, round of 16, I think we finished second, most likely going to come up. I think it's come up, come up, come up against the Netherlands. In, yeah. In the, in, in the if everything goes, if to everything goes to plan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So talk about the whole wider tournament. Then, do you have like your favourites for it beforehand? Who do you think? Yeah, I think it's just everyone's favourites. I'm. Brazil and France, I think two strongest squads. Germany do have a really, really strong squad on paper. Portugal, you know, Ronaldo's got a point to prove. He said it's his mm. last World Cup, most likely. Argentina with Messi, you know, he's going to be on one, isn't he? Um, 
and there's always that potential as well of that Argentina Portugal final, which will be massive. And I'm like not sure the internet can handle that. No, 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 no. <laughs> absolutely not. The thought of Messi and Ronaldo just sort of I, I couldn't fathom what would happen to the other. Mate, it, it shouldn't be career-defining because of the careers that they've had. I think it will be, though. If, but it if will Ronaldo, be. Yeah, if Portugal won, I think Ronaldo goes down as a GOAT, doesn't he? If Argentina yeah. win, Messi kind of goes down oh. as a disputed GOAT. Is it, especially after that picture. You see that picture that was there circulating, circulating playing the internet chess. Playing chess against each other. That would be, that's so funny, mate. Like, now, imagine they come up against each other in the final. That would make, um, just be unbelievable. I actually read somewhere that was from like a specific chess game. Really? It was like a legendary chess game. The setup <laughs> from it, yeah. the setup from it, was a legendary game that ends in a draw. Oh really? Wow. And I think that was the whole vibe. I think it was like a Louis Vuitton thing. That was yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. whole vibe behind it was that, that that chess detail. game ended in a draw. Yeah, yeah. In the way the chess. That's not going to happen. It's not. It's not going to be like on FIFA when you end matches draw. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just get in the bin. They're not going to shake hands and walk off. Does this, actually this is a great question for a footballer like yourself, I know you mentioned that League One, you get, don't get too much of a break off. Have you spoken to any footballers in the game who have been really for or against the fact that the, the World Cup is in the winter? Like, is the break good or bad? Not really, because most players in the Championship, League One, they're not going to the World Cup. Um, I think, I, I, I can't see the Prem boys being for it, to be honest. They've got to cram in the rest of the games before mid-May, mm. so it's going to be, what, Saturday, Tuesday games for them, a lot of midweek games. You do well in the Champions League, you do well in the FA Cup, it's even more games, so it is going to be tricky for them. Um, there's going to be injuries, how do they deal with the World Cup, you know, disappointment after it, like they've had a bad tournament, it's going to affect them, their form going into the rest of the season, that's another part, uh, another big thing to think about. You've got the likes of Haaland, who's got no World Cup, it's going to be fresh as anything, mm. Is that like fair or not? Salah so, too. Salah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So, um, yeah, I can't see many of them that are going to the World Cup being big advocates of it being in the winter, but I don't think anyone will really you know, speak out and say that. Yeah, I feel like once you get there as well, like yeah. there is such a buzz of representing yeah. the World Cup. I thought it could have been the other way around. Like maybe mm. they're used to playing in this time of the year. And as well, you mentioned the fixture, the fixture schedules, which is, which is ridiculous, by the way. Yeah. If you're actually going to the World Cup and you make it to the final, that's seven games in the space of like five weeks, which weirdly enough is less than you'd probably play if you were back yeah. in England. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. You get loads of time. On. Yeah. It's, just, it's just seven extra games, isn't it, in, on, yeah. on, on your calendar. So um, We'll see the effects of this later in the yeah, season, basically. Definitely. I think it's more, I don't think it's the physical effects as such. I think it's more the mental side mm. of it. You know, imagine Harry Kane in 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 the, in the World Cup final misses the penalty in the 90th minute yeah. to win it, and then we go on, and then England go on and lose it. It's just like, how is he going to deal with that afterwards? You got to be, you got to have a lot yeah. of mental toughness and resilience. Do you remember when Beckham got sent off against Argentina? Argentina yeah, card, yeah. Like how he how it affected his form that time. So there's always little things that could happen. You never know. You do, never you, know. do you think that it's better to have a bit of time off after something tough happens or to get straight back on it? Me personally, yeah, I'm kind of mentally strong, so it doesn't really affect me like that. But I, I just prefer to get straight back on it. I don't yeah. like having time off. You know, you, you're in playing catch-up, aren't you, in terms of your fitness levels and stuff. And then it's kind of even more of a, of a demanding task for you. So, mm. yeah, I'll just get straight back to it. Because there's, there's a game, I think... The League Cup, Liverpool play Man City like four days after the World Cup final. Really? Yeah, there's wow. literally a Carabao Cup fourth round. 
Liverpool City Liverpool just a few City days both after. Teams, B teams just with Haaland and Salah yeah, yeah, yeah. on uh, each side. I can't imagine that. You mentioned Harry Kane there though, so I've got to ask the question about the top scorer for the World Cup. It doesn't have to be him. It's actually <laughs> I was looking at the odds the other day and people like a lot of the bookies are back in Neymar, aren't they? Because I think it's because he's on court. pens as well, is like Kane is. is. Pens, free yeah, kicks. yeah, yeah. Free I kicks. Think um, I'm going to say Messi. Yeah, yeah I'm going to yeah, say yeah. Messi because he's just Argentina, 35 games unbeaten. You know, like they're no That's mad, mad yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Two more to break the record, Argentina's yeah, yeah. record. Like I do think Messi's just going to come clutch mm. this World Cup. He knows, like he wants it. I think he wants it. I think that's like basically. If you're your team's best player, if you're predicted to go far and you're the set piece taker, you can yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Messi, Neymar. Yeah, Neymar. Kane. I don't know if Neymar's day. got that mentality that Messi yeah. and Ronaldo have got. I don't know. Like he could just he could be unbelievable, or he could just be, you know, terrible. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. But Messi and Ronaldo, it's kind of like you can see yeah. the focus in their eyes going into this tournament. They know it's it's, it's a big one. For yeah. Them yeah. For them. So now going to pick a World Cup five-a-side. You can pick the tactic, though. Because imagine right. you're playing five-a-side and you've just got, you're just going to name, like, four attackers. But we're trying to keep yeah, it a little yeah, bit yeah, sensible, yeah, yeah, at least yeah, you're yeah, one yeah. defender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Can't, can't pick two players from the same team either. Okay, okay. All right. Because a Brazil five-a-side squad's just not fair. <laughs> yeah. Five-a-side team, yeah. man. I'm going to go, obviously, a keeper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? One defender, two midfielders, and I'll go... One, okay. one striker. You got the diamond. Yeah, yeah. the diamond, the one-two-one. Yeah. So in goal, I was thinking Edison because of his distribution, yeah. five sides. Yeah. I love Edison. I don't even know he's going to start for Brazil, but he'd be wicked in a five-a-side. I didn't yeah. even think about yeah, that. Yeah, he, could play, he could beat outfield if you want this to be like, yeah, yeah. my five-a-side team. But I'm going to go for him in goal, which doesn't then mean I can't pick Neymar. Mm. Um, but yeah, Edison in goal at the back. Roger Van Dijk, there's four defenders yeah, yeah. in itself. Like, you've got him, mate. He's, he's, you ain't conceding. In front of him, I'm going to go Kevin De Bruyne, best midfielder in the world. Yeah. With Fede Valverde from he's, Uruguay. Oh, my days. Yeah. 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 I'm going to go Valverde. And then up top, it's hard to leave out Mbappe, but I'm going Messi. I'm a Messi yeah. man. I'm, I'm going to go Messi. I think that team keeping the ball they've got big Virgil at the back yeah. he'll sweep up anything Kevin De Bruyne orchestrating Messi best finisher in the world Valverde legs skill elegance technique Mad, yeah. oh my days need. what a five-a-side team yeah you absolutely crushed I've it the, I have missed out some massive players <laughs> yeah. there, obviously obviously there's only five players can get in yeah Mbappe you don't need that speed at five-a-side there's not yeah. much ground to cover up yeah I know, I know. Mbappe Neymar yeah. Ronaldo misses out. Um, any other big dogs? Oh my God. Like, it could be an argument for even Harry Kane, I suppose. Yeah, true. He'd be a bit mad at a five side. You could, I could swap Van Dyke yeah. maybe for like a Cancelo. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, true. I want more true. of an, an attacking side, but I'm a centre back myself. I've got to be defensively resilient, <laughs> so I'm going for Big Virgil at the back. Okay, so final section. It's been an interesting one. I would say passion project turned maybe a little bit more than that for you with YouTube. Uh, so you've got a YouTube channel, vlogs, nutrition. You've got recovery in there. Obviously, you know, got the, uh, got the games as well. What made you want to start it in the first place? So it was lockdown when I was at Hull. 
and I thought, there's no footballers out there on YouTube giving a real insight to any aspiring pros or anyone who wants to improve at football and how to actually do it. And I, mm. I saw like a lot of people on YouTube selling courses on, you know, how to become a better videographer or bricklayer or whatever it may be. And I thought I could potentially go down the route of selling something by to, to anyone who wants to improve at football. Um, and I'll just get myself out there on YouTube and kind of build an audience and then later down the line, maybe mm. be able to monetize it. So that was why I initially started started the YouTube. So that's the overall plan then, would you say, for the YouTube? Or do you want to take yeah. a completely different creative direction? Do you know direction? what? It kind, of, it kind of changes all the time. So um, at first, all the videos are just going to be educational, mm. informational, you know, like what you should eat day before a game, best ways to recover, how to get better sleep, whatever it may be, you know. Um, but then we kind of just did a match day vlog for the first time and you know the response to that was really good and then we were doing the in-game stuff where you know you'd see me in games and stuff mm. and um people really liked it so we were kind of we and have, having the time to do it is tricky especially after a loss you know getting the camera on a monday morning yeah. can be a bit like taff what are you doing put the camera away mate we just lost three nil yeah you're, you're focusing on youtube and that's kind of how i seen sometimes so the, the the idea was to like release a match day vlog and then have some standalone content, whether it be like how to make it as a professional footballer, yeah. for example, match day vlog, best ways to eat before game, whatever it may be, and um, yeah, and I thought do all this, build an audience, but now the plans kind of change. You know, we're going to set up something big for people who want to improve at football um, by like Discord and create an online platform where anyone who just wants to interact with a footballer get tips, um, get access to free programs, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. and like apply, and that's just in the works at the minute. How have you found it being in front of the camera? Do you, do you think you're just naturally, because of the spotlight of football, you'd be like, oh, I'll just pick up, a, pick up a camera, I'll be fine? Yeah. Or is it a little bit nerve-wracking filming yourself? I wouldn't say nerve-wracking, it was more just actually like, kind of like finding my voice on camera. At the start, mm. I was like, I'd look back at footage and be like, this, what, why am I talking like this? This isn't me. Um, and then, yeah, you just kind of just, realize the best way to be is just being natural and just being yourself mm. i think because it's putting on a putting on a front or you know speaking in different ways kind of hard to sustain isn't it so yeah. um yeah just picking it up not caring too much talking to the cameras if it was your mate yeah i found was like the easiest way to be really you didn't do the classic like everyone always puts on some sort of commentator yeah. voice when like, they do it yeah, first time yeah, yeah. It's sounding like two news reporters and that was like me in, a, in, in especially at the start of my videos putting on this accent that I never had. But then mm. as time goes on, you just think, look, let's just be yourself. And that's, that's the best way to be. I think that's what people relate to the most. Mm. At what point do the guys kind of get annoyed at Wickham? I know you mentioned, like, putting the camera on after a loss. But is everyone genuinely kind of cool with it? Or do you get yeah. a bit of Yeah, well, I, I think so. I think if anyone was annoyed at it, we've got a really good group of lads. I think if anyone was annoyed at it, they, wouldn't, they probably wouldn't tell me anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they, they like that. I'm always filming in, in and around the dressing room and stuff and no one really minds. Mm. Um, maybe, you know, they've just come out of the shower and they're standing there naked. <laughs> yeah. and like, can you put the camera right now or whatever? But <laughs> apart from that, mate, yeah, I think people are happy to be on it. We play like a yeah. little bit of tech ball every now and again, two touch, do gym sessions. Yeah. And everyone, you know, no one minds, no one minds. No, that's super cool. It's really interesting to see that little insight as well, which I think to the relationships. Yeah. Because when you see players on the pitch, you just, kind of assume that you go out and you're one team and everything's fine, but it's nice to see behind the scenes. Like you said, you've got a good yeah, group. Definitely. Is there like, 
Does that you find help a lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The team too? spirit is everything, mate. Like the best, I think the best dressing rooms in terms of having good people, people that get along with each other, all pulling in the same direction. You know, they they're ultimately going to have more success than one mm. that has you know bad eggs or very clicky dressing rooms where you know people don't really mingle with anyone else other than their own car school or yeah, people yeah. from the same country as them or whatever. So yeah, that is massive. And I think Wickham, Wickham are huge on that. They cite, they, they'd rather recruit someone who's, you know, an eight out of 10 personality and character, maybe like a six out of 10 footballing skills when it comes to technique than, than the other way around because yeah. ultimately, you know, they've had success doing it. I'm not going to so. ask who you're talking about there. <laughs> you're not going to call anyone out. <laughs> no, no, no. Every, well, everyone in this restaurant is yeah. top lad. Yeah. They, wouldn't, they wouldn't be there. So, um, yeah. Nice. And how deep into the YouTube thumbnails are you about like planning them out? Because this Mate, is such a big thing. I saw Ben Foster was talking about this, like constantly thinking, got to get the right face, got to get the right yeah, angles, everything. Yeah, see, I don't put that, I, as much thought into them yeah. as, I, as I think I should. So like I saw Mr. Beast the other day on TikTok saying he spends 30 grand on a, on a thumbnail. I went, I went onto his page and I looked at his thumbnail and I was like, like, are they good? Like, I, I don't know, but obviously there's people yeah. out there who are experts in the field who will be like, look. And he actually said, this is the thumbnail is the difference between me getting 50 million views and yeah. 200 million views, which yeah. is obviously insane. But I just kind of, I feel like lately the ones where, you know, there's like, you're looking into the, mm. into the camera. Um, I've actually kind of had like a speech bubble coming out of me lately. Yeah. The, the click-through rate's gone up a little bit when um, I think people know that it's going to be a, a match vlog where mm. you can hear me in the game or whatever. So... They, they've been working recently, but I'm sure we'll probably change them again in the future. But I think they're actually like 50% of the video itself. Mm. And we, we really spend like five or 10 minutes thinking, what thumbnail should we use? And we should probably invest a lot, of, a lot more time into them. I remember hearing him say something, Mr. B, something about, by the way, no idea if our followers know who we're talking about now, yeah. but I'm sure everyone is well aware that Mr. B is a rather big guy on YouTube, yeah. saying he spends hours in like a whole committee going through thousands of other people's thumbnails Seriously. to then nail down what the best one is. It's like, fair it's got to be emotive, it's got to be reactive, you got to have your face in there, the size yeah. and everything. Yeah, fair God, point, man. There's a lot more that goes into it behind the scenes yeah, in, yeah, yeah, in YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, it pays off from you, doesn't it? The whole yeah. work, mate. It's just, it makes sense. He's obviously flying yeah, on, yeah. on a whole other level to Mad. everyone else. So, um, yeah. so when you've seen like now the kind of I guess, media aspect from it. Do you think this is something that football clubs can lean more into when it comes to interacting with fans, access, yeah. and basically another portal into their football club? Yeah, well, do you know, I used to watch a lot of the NFL stuff on, on, on Amazon Prime and, you know, go through like a pre-season camp with different NFL teams that go around the country. And then obviously now, you, you know, the Tottenham one came out. We mm. saw Arsenal, Sunderland's, one more thing. I loved that. That was yeah, well. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was really good. So they are giving us a little bit more of an insight now. Um, but I've heard like they have to cut. They have to cut out so much stuff. I think like Pep Guardiola mm. cut out like seventy percent of what was actually recorded because, and I'm sure that was you know the real good stuff. Yeah. As well, that we all <laughs> wanted to see. Which yeah. Is a bit of a shame. So you know it is kind of be. It's always going to be semi-filtered, isn't it, and limited in some ways, but I think it is good, man. Like, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the Arsenal, Man City, Tottenham and Sunderland ones, so hopefully there's a few more. I love the idea of Guardiola pouring over footage at a computer, just scrolling, <laughs> yeah. like, cut, delete, no, no, no. Yeah, oh, my God. That's brilliant. <laughs> knowing, knowing, like, what we kind of know about his kind of tactical and his eye for detail, yeah. I cannot imagine 
<laughs> getting that past him would have I been know, I know. A, a, any easy job. Is there, so do you watch a lot of YouTube kind of outside your own stuff as well? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot, to be fair. Um, I probably watch even more now after starting YouTube myself and you, you start picking up on different things, don't mm. you? Like how they use these overlays and a lot of the time like, I was watching, I, I don't know if you know, Mike Thurston's video the other day. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He had, like, I, I counted like, he used 250 different overlays in like the first three minutes and I was like, oh, this is just in, in, <laughs> like, incredible. How, yeah. Who's doing that for him? Like, how's he got the time to find all his overlays? But the hard work pays off. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I've been watching a lot more recently. So who's like the one, the one YouTuber you'd like to collab with? And... <clears throat> Probably Chris MD. Oh, really? Chris okay. MD. Yeah, yeah, Chris MD. And I think it, even though he is like, humongous yeah. in the game. Um, he does collab with like random football league players. So yeah. there's always, I think there's a chance, like he did a video the other day with um, a, the, like the tallest goalkeeper in the football league, Tom yeah. Foley, um, and stuff like that. So there's, you know, that could be on the card. What's going to be your video though, if he's not shooting against that like, keeper? I'll happily get League one centre-back smashes Chris MD. I did, like, I, did one, I did one with Kieran Brown. I did one with yeah. Kieran Brown. It was like pro versus YouTuber. And we just did, we went through the different um, stats on a FIFA card. So we started mm. off with pace and did like a 60-yard dash. And then we did 1v1, defending and dribbling, shooting. Pay, and I think he titled the uh, he titled the video, what is a 66-rated defender really like? Or something like that uh. for FIFA. And it, it did well. So some, maybe something like that with Chris MD. But I'm just waiting. I just want the, I want the YouTube to get... I feel a bit cheeky asking him now. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. Having like 52k subscribers, and hopefully if he gets to like 100k or whatever, then I've got a little bit more weight behind me. Maybe he'll be more inclined. Your FIFA card 66, 69 this year because oh, I got a okay. team of the season. They bumped me up three, three, yeah. like, three ratings. It's unbelievable. So um, it'd be good for uh, if anyone does want to use my my FIFA yeah. cards a little bit more sort of respect. Taking the piss, man. 66. Yeah, yeah. it's hard. Like <laughs> a gold card, like even 70. There's some. Premier League players that are like 69, 70, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? So I'll take 69, definitely. That's crazy to think that if a professional footballer was rated like 69, 70, and then the ones that are rated like 95, 96, <laughs> this must be an absolute joke. They give themselves <laughs> that room, don't they? So like yeah, the, yeah. the highest rated cards are like 90, what, 91, 92, so they can bring out them team of the yeah, season yeah, cards yeah. and whatnot in the, for ultimate teams. That's obviously yeah. where they make their money nowadays. But yeah, I know they are, they are a joke. That's pretty mad. So last question, where do you see kind of, if you were to give a bit of advice, so YouTuber mm. or a footballer, because you've got both sides of it, to anyone listening out there, what do you see like the hallmarks of both kind of professions? What are the, the must-dos if you so want to succeed football, in either? For football, <laughs> I think like some of the best advice I've been given is, it's really simple really, be the hardest worker in the room, you know? Um, you never get a second chance to make a good first impression. I think that's, that one's big in football. Having a good character, personality. I've seen players get right to the top, you know, like the likes of Ivan Tony, obviously a great footballer, but yeah. he was someone who'd like get on with everyone in the dressing room, always make time for people. Um, that's a big thing. So, you know, when, because everyone in football talks, yeah. when managers call other managers, what's, what's Ryan Tavazoli like? You need them to give you a good reference. Yeah, I yeah. Think with a lot of players who have gone to the top, they all would have, would have had them good references, look, top lad, da 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 da. And I've seen some players out there with hu humongous amounts of talent who I think have had very bad references and mm. found themselves out of the game. So that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big one. Um, 
well, in terms of getting to the top in football, work on your mentality. I think mindset, mental state is um, something that can be overlooked a lot of the time. You know, if you're able to implement meditation, stuff like that, it goes a long way. You look at the top athletes in the world now, LeBron James, yeah. um, Kobe Bryant, obviously, rest in peace. Yeah. Back in the day, they, they put so much emphasis on um, their mental state and mindset. So little things like that, I think you know, knuckling down on your nutrition and really starting to like, actually from a young age, if you can get on it from a young age and give yourself that that sort of head start, because let's be honest, 18, 19, 20 year olds nowadays, they, they eat what they want, mm. even even probably at the top level. If you can get down, get your nutrition knuckled down from a young age and really give yourself that head start, I think you'll, you'll put yourself in good stead. When it comes to YouTube, you know what I mean? I'm, I should ask you, mate. You want to grow the channel to 600k? Well, I'm, still, I'm still stuck on 52. Um, consistency, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, consistency yeah. is key, isn't it? That's the same for football, and that's I think that's been the hardest thing for me. Being consistent, like I said to you, whipping out the camera after a loss is kind of like you're, you're hiding around corners. You don't want people to see you because you know what people are going to think. Wait a minute. With Penel Taff, you've had a terrible game on the weekend, and now you're you, you're doing Vlogging. YouTube. Get your head on next week's game and, and training this week. But for me, like, I think I'm lucky now that people know my character and I'll never, you know, jeopardise it. I'll never, yeah. you know, miss a training session or not prepare 110% for a game because that's the kind of person I am. So, um, yeah, I think consistency for YouTube is a big one. Yeah. And uh, get your thumbnails right. <laughs> yeah, get them thumbnails sorted. Any YouTube assistant out there, yeah. that's it. It's all in the thumbnail. Um, Matt, I really appreciate talking to you. Man, yeah, yeah, it's been a pleasure, man. I've really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, next time you're out in Berlin, I'll have to take you around the One Football Studios, show you everything. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks to everyone else for listening uh, out there. Of course, you can get in touch with the podcast. Podcast at onefootball.com is the email. Um, at onefootball on Twitter as well. Uh, but thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you guys with loads of content coming up in the World Cup in the next few days.